Welcome, everybody, to the the Friday edition. Thanks for waiting for me. I tried to get here at 12 o'clock. But as you know, this is a live trading desk. For those of you who are new, my name is Brett Rosenthal. I'm managing all my own personal capital and that of investors. All the businesses run through interactive brokers. What I try to do on this show every day is put you on the right side of probabilities and statistics when investing. And we use our proprietary algorithms to help us do that. So that's step one of the investing process for us. Step two is the more traditional process of deep, in-depth research and analysis of investment themes and companies. And we build a whiteboard of our favorite investment ideas. And when our algorithms are telling us, yes, the, the environment is conducive to risk, then we go to that whiteboard, we know exactly what we want to own, and we start adding positions to our portfolio. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> still, still dealing with remnants of, uh, of the flu last week. Okay, so because it's a live trading desk, I try to get here at 12 o'clock, but I was too, uh, too tied up to do it. I thought I'd get here at 1, so here we are at 2 o'clock. What I'm going to do is go over our um, analysis of the Charlotte's Web earnings announcement that occurred this morning. Um, and I'm going to come at it from two different directions. I'm going to drill down into the stock itself, the company itself, and what we think is important going forward and then how it sheds some light on the whole U.S. cannabis business. But I like to start every day and every show with a discussion about risk, right? I'm trying to share with you the 30 years I have in this business, dealing with volatility and risk and trying to invest in in an environment that's become more and more mechanical. The market does crazy things trying to, what I call, get you off the bus. I tweeted that out this morning. So we're going to go over one of the rules of the road. I have a list for you on my website, rosenthalcapital.com. You can see rules of the road. 30 years of doing this, there's just things I've learned over that period. I'm trying to share them with you. I'm building that list to share with my children. I have a two-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. Which, by the way, my five-year-old son made his first investment this week. I'm happy to tell you. He's joined the family business, my five-year-old son. He was very excited to find out that a company had a stock symbol that happened to be his name. And that's all he needed to know. That was a stock he wanted to own. So, yes, it's true. We bought shares of Levi this week, L-E-V-I. We'll see how we do. I lent him the money. I told him I'd lend him some money to make an investment. I asked him how much he wanted. I thought my son was going to say, well, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, 500 bucks. Let me just tell you, he's a Rosenthal because this kid asked for the order. I can't share with you on YouTube what he asked for, but let's just say it was multiples of what I was expecting. But I appreciated his moxie, so I lent him the capital. 
Okay. Let's get to business. Our algorithms, this is the Armour Report, Algorithmic Risk Management Research. Our algorithms are very close to giving us a risk-on-buy signal in the Dow and the small cap index. That's the first order of business today. <laughs> now, you all know that up until recently, I've been calling for a retest of the December lows. Up until recently, last, I think it was business. Last week, I was so sick, it's hard to remember. It was either last week or maybe it was Monday of this week. I have to go back and look. Where I updated our Stalking the Bear website, and I told you on the show, we are no longer stalking the bear. The market had a big sell-off last week, and we used that opportunity to exit our short positions. We had small profits in there. We booked some profits. But more importantly... We are now working under the premise that we're not looking for a retest of the December low. Everything looks like it should have retested. We had this V-shaped rally. We went right up to resistance. The market looks like it's putting on a top. The small caps are underperforming. I get all of that. I would love to be short. But the fact is, I want to get myself and you on the right side of probability and statistics. Now, I don't know you guys, right? I don't know you personally, so I'm just sharing some educational advice. I can't directly tell you how to run your capital because I don't know you. If you want me to do that, you have to call and we can chat and see if we can work together. But, you know, that's our usual disclaimer on this, this YouTube channel. I'm just trying to help you guys out by sharing what I do with my capital. It doesn't mean you have to do that, okay? In fact, I would suggest you don't. I would suggest you take the information Look at your own portfolio, your own risk structure, make your own decisions. But what I will say is it is a fact that the stock market goes up most of the time. 80% of the time the stock market goes up. So every time you're shorting, you are literally fighting the percentages. It's a bad look. That's why I recommend to most of you just to hold cash if you're concerned, if you think you should be risk off, hold cash and wait for better opportunities to get long. You don't have to make money short. I rarely short. I was willing to put some money short small caps as they made a top of the 200-day moving average. I took that position off. And I did it because I sat down and I looked myself in the mirror and I thought about these YouTube videos. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your time with me. And I thought, can I really recommend a short? Can I really hold a short my own portfolio when the Federal Reserve is out there aggressively being dovish? And the answer is that has never worked. Now, this could be the one time it works. U.S. Fed's dovish. ECB is dovish. The Japanese Central Bank is, I mean, everybody's dovish again. So last year, we went through a series of rate hikes. The market plummeted. Starting in January, the Fed changed its tune. Okay, I didn't jump at that. Because I listened to what the Fed said, and it sounded kind of, I don't know, not a huge switch. I was wrong, right? The whole market thought it was a huge switch. I said, no, that just seems like they're tempering their rate hike enthusiasm. But the last, last week, I think it was, the Fed made their comments again, and it was ridiculously dovish this time. 
ridiculously dovish. It's almost impossible to make investment shorts on the indexes at a time where the Fed is being incredibly dovish. When, when was their money made short in the last 10 years? I'll tell you, 2018, the Fed was raising rates. That was hawkish. You could go short. 2016, the end of 2015, early 2016, we cleaned up. Janet Yellen was raising rates. Not happening right now. So for right now, what I'm starting to do is look the other way. Say, okay. And of course, always, if our algorithms tell us to add risk, we're going to be adding risk. And what I'm saying now is as I look at this pattern, small caps have made a double bottom at the 50-day moving average. The S&P and the NASDAQ have barely given up any of their gains. The leadership sectors of the market are skyrocketing, having small little sell-offs along the way. That is not the type of behavior of a bear market. That's, that's a bull market. So the Dow and the small caps are behind the S&P and the NASDAQ 100. The Dow is behind because of Boeing. That's a short-term problem. That problem will be fixed. The market will soon not care about it. The Dow has some catching up to do. And small caps kind of walk, you know, to, the, to, to their own, the beat of their own drum. They outperformed in January because they were so destroyed in December. They've taken a breather. They've set up a bottom. If there's a long opportunity here in small caps, I'm going to get on it. Okay. That leads into the question of where do I want to put capital? Well, you know we're already putting capital in the cannabis space. It's our favorite space to invest. And we've got kind of a barbell approach. We've got our, our Canadian companies. We have like our top five Canadian names. You all know this. I've gone over it with you. The, our favorite names are companies that have a war chest of capital and have uh, relationships with big uh, uh, partners. Obviously, that's Canopy, uh, but maybe not so obviously. It's Hexo. Right, Hexo's a company that's got a joint venture with Molson Canadian, Molson Coors. Okay, so there's some opportunities there. On the other side of the barbell are the U.S. cannabis companies. The the short-term favorite for us is Charlotte's Web. I say short-term favorite. There's a handful of U.S vertically integrated dispensary cannabis companies. And I really, really like them. And we're starting to build positions on all of them. All of these companies trade on the, the Canadian stock exchange. <coughs> Excuse me. There's risk involved in, in, in buying stocks on the CSE. Just like there's risk involved in buying anything, right? So, Whatever I share with you, whatever information I'm sharing with you, you've got to make your own decisions on whether or not you want to take the risk. But specifically so, there's risk on the Canadian Stock Exchange. It's thin. You don't have big sponsorship. You don't have institutions. You don't have big investment banks that are writing research reports and supporting stocks. On the one hand, that means extra risk. On the other hand, it also means unbelievable opportunity because that will happen. Okay. You will get investors coming in. You will get uh, institutions. You will get investment banks. These stocks will eventually trade on major exchanges. It's just right now we have this interesting opportunity for individual investors who are willing to take the risk. You know what? I was talking to my dad about this today 
And, and what fell out of the conversation is this. I said to my dad, owning the U.S. cannabis stocks because of the banking regulations and everything, these stocks all came public in the last five, four, five, six months. And I was thinking about Lyft and Levi and Uber and all these hot stocks that come public. They come public and they, they, they go through the roof on the first day of trading because they've got a whole bunch of institutional sponsorship, investment banks that sponsor them and get interest and get people excited and they ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange. But for the average investor, the individual, you can't get involved in those stocks on a private placement. So you've got to run out there if you want and buy these stocks when they're priced up a lot when they come public. And usually that's a loser's game. The fun part about the U.S. cannabis market right now is it's almost like private equity investing. They're public companies, but they trade on a little exchange in Canada. They have no institutional sponsorship and no investment banks that are jacking up the valuations. Private investing is risky. Lack of liquidity, wild valuation swings, but huge reward when the stocks start trading on the New York Stock Exchange and they get priced to the moon. There's an opportunity right here in these U.S. cannabis companies. When the banking laws change, when the federal laws change about cannabis, these stocks will become legitimate companies trading. On, they're already legitimate companies, but they'll be trading on big exchanges in the U.S., They'll be doing banking business in the U.S., investment banking business in the U.S., and that will bring a herd of institutional capital into these stocks. So by buying them now, it's almost like I'm private equity. Because when the banking laws change, there's going to be a whole bunch of fun roadshows as these companies get listed on major exchanges. And it'll be like owning shares of Lyft before the, the date of the IPO. That's kind of what it's like. And private equity investing is not for everybody, right? It's very risky. What's the obvious risk here? That we don't get any legislation changes. I'm willing to take that risk. I don't think it's possible. I think it's definitely going to happen. But that's a huge risk. And I don't know the timing of that. So I can have capital tied up in an investment that takes longer than I expect to get a return. Gee, that sounds kind of like private, private equity. But when it does happen, there's going to be a fun move higher in these stocks. Let's get to Charlotte's Web. The earnings announcement was fine. There's nothing that I really expected from this earnings announcement right now. This is not really an earnings story yet. We are at the very beginning stages of an investing super cycle. The very beginning stages. Worrying about quarterly earnings comes later in the cycle when you've got a mature business. So I'm not going to go over the numbers with you because they don't really matter to me. I'll share some things from the call that I thought were important. <laughs> okay. Here's a number I'll share with you I thought was important. They had 8% of the U.S. Uh, hemp um, extract market a year ago. They have 18% market share today. 
they're grabbing market share as the market share as the market gets bigger. Charlotte's Web is the leading U.S. hemp extract company in the country, in the world. And they're gaining market share as the market gets bigger. That's a bonus. Their brand is like the gold standard. And as more and more people start to realize the benefits of hemp extract, they discover Charlotte's Web as a top-tier company, and they're capturing more of that market. That's a bonus. A um, couple of thoughts that I think could move the stock in the near term. This is why I said at the beginning of this call that in the near term, I like Charlotte's Web a lot as an investment versus the other U.S. cannabis companies. Marijuana is still federally illegal. Hemp is not. Charlotte's Web is a pure hemp company. They're not violating any federal law. The banking rules are still so ridiculous that they can't access bank accounts. But that's going to change. And they're going to be the first beneficiary. How do I know they're going to be the first beneficiary? Let me share this piece of information with you. The largest ETF company in Canada that has a marijuana ETF has petitioned the Toronto Stock Exchange to allow them to buy Charlotte's Web stock. They can't buy any other U.S. marijuana company because it's in violation of the Toronto Stock Exchange rules because of the federal government's regulations here in the U.S., but this ETF company has received approval from the Toronto Stock Exchange to buy Charlotte's Web because it's a hemp company. See, so this is the first place investors can go, institutional investors can go, to get a taste of the U.S. cannabis market. And that's why it's the most important position for me right now. Management said on the conference call, that they are working with the Toronto Stock Exchange right now and expect to be able to list on the Toronto Stock Exchange in the not-too-distant future. So they're going to move from the CSE, which is a small version of the Toronto, over to the Toronto, which for those of you who don't know, is like the New York Stock Exchange of Canada. That's going to be a big move for them. It validates the fact that they're not violating any U.S. federal law. And right behind that will come more institutional sponsorship, brokerage recommendations. And guess what? It's the only U.S. cannabis company that investors can start buying on an institutional level. This is what really interests me in, in Charlotte's Web right now. I could drill down into all the things they said on the conference call about their business and this, that, and the other thing, and the numbers and all that, and that's fine, okay? Nothing wrong with doing that. But what really drives stocks is institutional sponsorship. If this becomes the only U.S.-based cannabis company trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange, and ETFs and mutual funds can begin buying it, well... You can figure out what I'm trying to say. So in the short term, this could be the biggest beneficiary of the desire for institutions to find 
investments in the U.S. cannabis market. The company's also been, here are other short-term events that could help the stock. The company has been in the process of changing its management team in the C-suite. We've got product manager, they've got chief operating officer, guys from Coca-Cola and, and, and J&J, high-profile guys. The CEO is stepping down, and they're going to be bringing in a high-profile CEO to take this company to the finish line when it comes to a, a consumer packaged goods company. I'd love to see it end up being somebody from Procter & Gamble because that's what this company really needs. And depending on what they say about whoever this new guy is, that could be beneficial to the company and the stock. Um, oh, another thing they said. There are a number. I know there was a lot of excitement over Curaleaf. They said they're going to be uh, in 800 uh, CVS stores. Well, CVS is also going to be carrying Charlotte's web product. So's uh, um, uh, Walgreens the management team can't list for us all the retailers that are going to be carrying Charlotte's Web product but they've already cut the deals and they're just waiting for the retailers to announce that they're be, you know, carrying these products and so over the next couple of months I think you'll see some positive announcements about retailers that are carrying their products but let me caution you by saying that that's not really their bread and, and butter the, the Retailers carrying their product is great. It raises awareness. But the products they'll be carrying are not ingestibles. It's going to be creams. It's going to be patches. These types of things carry lower margins, albeit just a little bit lower. But what we really want to see is their web business go through the roof, right? And it's doing well right now. It's more than 50. I think it was 53%. Someone, you could tweet me out if I'm wrong about that. 53% maybe of their revenue is coming from the web. They also said that they're going to be um, making their products available on Amazon. That's going to be a big win for them. All of these things are going to raise the profile for the company. And so um, these are short-term events that I think can be beneficial for the stock. Uh, what else is there? I guess that's it, really. You know, I would say a, a note of caution from what I heard on the call. Some of the, not a negative, it's just... It's just things that have to occur as this business develops. Costs are going up. So we really need to see revenues keep expanding so that they can withstand the costs that are going up, right? When they did their IPO, they talked about how they're building out space and processing space. That's going to cost money. We already know that. They said they're going to do that. But then they're also going to be spending money on uh, clinical trials to prove efficacy. That costs money. You know, marketing, all these things are going to cost money. You're going to see some costs go up throughout the year. It's not a bad thing. It's going to help drive business. But we're at that early stage in the, in the cycle of an investment theme where costs ramp and, and it could be lumpy. Revenues can be lumpy as costs are ramping. So it's really not an earnings story. I'm not really looking at it every three months to see are they having explosive growth. It's more what are the milestones they're hitting and are they executing on the plan that they've announced? So the end of the day, love the company. I've given you some short-term reasons why I think the stock could, could outperform others in the space. But at the same time, I've hopefully shared with you the risks involved. It's literally like investing in private equity at this stage. You have to be able to stomach the swings, 
to deal with the lack of liquidity. Be careful, be patient, try to buy weakness, don't chase things. And I guess that wraps up for today. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks for being here with me. And uh, I'll be back here to talk to you again on Monday because we're going to see at the close today what happens with our algorithms and whether or not we have to get a little bit more risk on uh, and focus on our favorite groups and our favorite whiteboard stocks. Um, all right, guys. Anyway, take care. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you again next week.